0: May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God's word identifies for us several truths. First, we are all sinners. Second, God wants to have a relationship with us. Since he cannot even look on sin, Our sin makes that relationship impossible. To rectify that, he planned the means for us to have our sins forgiven. And third, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, is the only perfect sacrifice through which our sins can be forgiven. The 27th Psalm tells us, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. On the night before he went to the cross, he was eating the last supper with his 11 apostles in the upper room in Jerusalem. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover Eucharist with you before I suffer. Christ is telling us that he has been patiently waiting during undoubtedly hundreds of centuries of time for the time when he could leave heaven, become incarnate, suffer the physical death of his human body, all of this in order to take on the task for which he truly came to earth. That task, which only he could achieve, is freeing us humans from the penalty of sin. Recall please these words from the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. And Paul tells us in his letter to the church at Corinth that he made him who knew no sin become sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He did this voluntarily. He was the only perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, that could redeem us from our sin. Now going back to the beginning, there really was a place called Eden. God placed humanity there and intended for us to live a blessed life with him. He created us for him, but our forebears disobeyed, and that first act of disobedience led to their and our removal from Eden. Our problems began then. Suddenly, in this perfect place where God intended to enjoy a relationship with the human race, whom he created for just that purpose, sin entered in by our choice and destroyed God's plan. God was also faced with a problem. He wanted to get us back into that ideal life with him. He longs for a relationship with us. It's why he created us. How could he rebuild a life with the sinful human race? He began his plan with the design of the Jewish worship service. This service required the sacrifice of two unblemished lambs during Passover each year. The purpose was to teach the Jews and us that while we need to have our sins forgiven, we humans cannot find any human agency that can forgive our own sins. Think of it. If a human religious act could forgive our sins, why? Why would this sacrifice of lambs have to be repeated year after year after year for some 1400 years of the Mosaic law? Why? Because God was teaching us about sin. I've included a few of the more than 100 verses, which I'm not going to read them all to you, that the Bible uses to inform us about sin, including descriptions of the problem and God's plan for that solution. From Romans, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. From 1 John, If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And from the Gospel of Mark, a depressing list, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. But God's solution, From Romans again, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. From 2 Corinthians, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And from the Gospel of John, a well-known verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And from Hebrews, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We all are sinners but God has purposed from the time of that garden to provide a solution to that sin problem. If you have wrestled with the problem of sin in yourself and admitted, as I have for myself, that we are sinners without hope, unless someone comes to save us and we accept his offer, that's our only hope and that offer is the cross. All we need to do is to believe and accept Salvation is the free gift of God and does not rest on our knowledge. But we can drill down into the meat of the word, as Paul reminds us, and that deeper knowledge can provide for us a more powerful belief. So let's drill down together to discover a deeper knowledge of Jesus, who on the cross paid the penalty for sin that we could never pay. What happened on that cross some 1900 years ago today? Christ was tortured by Roman soldiers beginning in the early morning on that particular Friday. It was Passover weekend. In about their ninth hour or three o'clock in the afternoon our time, unblemished lambs would be sacrificed in the temple just as they had for 14 centuries. But at that very moment, on a hill about one mile from the temple, through the ganath or the garden gate, on a hill called Golgotha, the perfect lamb of God was being sacrificed on his cross. And that was no coincidence. He had been brutally whipped. A Roman soldier called a lictor was an expert in the whip. Each time he brought the whip, or the flagrum, down on Christ's body. The leather strips, tipped with a sharp stone or a bone, dug deep into Yeshua's body. When the lictor drew his arm back, the flagrum skinned Jesus alive. This whipping, together with the crown of thorns, two or three inches long. The nail pierced wrists and feet all produced prodigious bleeding. Thus, the divine pronouncement that required the shedding of blood for the forgiving of sin was satisfied. This bleeding we can think of as sacramental. It is an outward sign which we humans can see and understand, leading us to be able to understand something that we cannot see, and we cannot understand it. Christ, who had never known sin, took our sin on himself, paid that penalty that was rightfully ours, and carried it away. Note, my friends, that the Bible does not teach us that the shedding of blood alone provides our forgiveness. Some more verses from the Gospel of John. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished and he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit." From Hebrews, therefore those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance since death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed. And from the Gospels of Mark and Matthew, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we ask the salient question then, what exactly about the crucifixion purchased our salvation? The answer must be this. At about 3 p.m., Christ called out in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? For my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we remember, we are told in the Old Testament and several other places in the Bible that Almighty God, our Father, cannot even look on sin. It was Christ who volunteered for that task. He solved the original Garden of Eden problem. For at that moment, Jesus paid the penalty for all humankind's sin. By bearing that sin himself, And as his human body died, he carried our sin down to Sheol. After he took up that burden, he could rightly say, as he did, it is finished. It is finished. Then proof appeared for that massive 60-foot-tall temple veil that separated the most holy place from the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. Thus for the first time in 1400 years personal access to Most High God was open to all who believe. In Romans chapter 8 we read this, therefore because of all that he did on the cross therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By paying the penalty for our sin through the shedding of his blood and by his voluntary death he took that sin so far away from us as the East is from the West a distance that cannot be measured. May I invite you to spend some time during the next approximately 40 hours reflecting about what happened in Golgotha, at Golgotha, on Golgotha those centuries ago. If we were there now In about three hours, he will be wrapped in linen, covering his naked body and placed in a tomb a few hundred yards away from that blood-soaked cross. The man, Jesus of Nazareth, is dead. But our Lord God is not. Can God ever die? No. He is busy carrying the penalty for all our sin to some place so far away from us that we cannot even measure it. Our sin, our sin made that sacrifice necessary. And He is waiting again to burst forth from that tomb early Sunday morning. The empty tomb provides the proof that what the Bible teaches us about salvation really happened. Later, he will ascend into heaven to the throne of Almighty God where he is at this moment interceding for us whom he has saved and he's waiting. He's waiting for the time when our Father Almighty God says the time has come. Time for him to come back and set all things right Time for judgment, and we will all see him sitting on a white horse shining like the sun. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, and there will be no more waiting, no more pain, no more tears, just an eternity with him. It is finished indeed. Thanks be to God.